This is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. I'm Bill Pollack. The positives and negatives of a recent survey of businesses from around the state. There's an exhibition from the Smithsonian that will be going through Missouri. A change in rural America. We'll find out more about that. Online shopping, general size productions, and much more have changed the fashion industry. We'll find out what that means for you. And we've become intrigued and interested in our family's genealogy. These ancestry tests have helped link unsolved and cold cases. Darren Hoslog, Master Sergeant with the Missouri Highway Patrol, is with Marshall Griffin to dive into how these tests aid in solving crimes. Generally, um, at crime scenes now, we you know back in the back in the old days, fingerprints seemed to be the thing everybody looked for to to tie someone to a crime scene. And DNA, I don't know when it really started catching steam, but here lately, it's, it's something we look at often at crime scenes. You know, especially rapes and sexual assaults and things like that. But also touch DNA, um, someone holding a weapon or a tool uh, will leave behind skin cells or bodily fluids at a scene. And those all contain DNA. I think uh, I'm probably going to butcher it. Deoxyribonucleic acid, I think is how it's pronounced. But it's basically the building blocks and the instructions that each person's uh, uh, body puts off when they uh, pass it along to generations to to help uh, reproduction. And so um, I I know the facts say that we're all 99.9% alike in our DNA, but there's 1% or 0.1% that makes us different. And that's uh, that difference is what we use to match suspects to scenes at, at crimes. When did using a DNA genealogy test first come into play uh, to uh, opening up cr- crimes or uh, opening up cold cases? Sure. Yeah, I, I can't really say when it first happened, but I can tell you when it really caught steam. Uh, it was around 2016, uh, the Sacramento uh, homicide and, and detectives, uh, major crime detectives were working he had several names, but uh, but the Golden State Killer was one of the more popular ones that people know. Uh, between 74 and 86, he had committed a ton of crimes. I think there's 13 murders, 51 rapes, and 120 burglaries uh, tied to him. I think it was 74 to 86, so a 12-year window. Um, they kind of had a break in that case where they were collecting DNA, but uh, the DNA really wasn't matching to anybody that's in a, a system that many states have called CODIS, and it's a system of DNA samples that are generated from felons, people that have been arrested or found guilty of certain certain types of crimes. Um, they weren't getting any hits on that. So you've got DNA matching all these crime scenes. And, and at that point, a group of in, uh, investigators and detectives decided to submit samples to Ancestry uh, websites, basically, and try to determine um, if they could identify not a specific individual, but using that DNA sample, if they could identify family members and ancestors of this individual. I wouldn't actually tell you that person, but it could tell you uh, a group of people that are related to that person. And so in this case, it broke the case open. I think it was in 2018 uh, where they were able to really make an arrest on this and, and hold this guy accountable for all he had done. But they had, they had gotten results from ancestry websites and different genealogy websites and uh, with the help of some experts in genealogy and, and ancestry uh, research had, had pinpointed family members and figured out a guy that was in the area at the time, matched the description and, uh, and other investigative um, um, IDs that had led him to uh, the, the killer. So, In a sense, it narrowed the field. It sounds like this is just one way to possibly identify who it is and then narrow it down from there. Am I, is that, am I over, oversimplifying it? No, that's absolutely correct. It, you know, it doesn't it doesn't take all the investigative work out of it. You can get a, you know, a uh, 
a line of family members um, that share the DNA of the sample that you submitted. But you still have to do the work. You still have to figure out of this group of family members. And depending on how the markers in the DNA and the results come back, um, you may have three brothers that could have done this crime, or you could have the ancestors of a certain great-grandpa. And so there's still a lot of work for investigators to do at that point. Um, things like finding out who was in the area, like I'd said earlier, maybe who knew the, the person. You know, there's a lot of different things that could lead you back to that specific crime. But in the end, it requires obtaining a sample from the suspect and um, comparing that to the known sample that you collected at the scene and making a, making a positive match for that. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's simple, but at the same time, there's a lot more work that goes into it after you get that, get that initial results from, from the genetic search. So. You're listening to Show Me Today. This is Marshall Griffin, and we're speaking with Darren Hoslog. He's a master sergeant with the Missouri State Highway Patrol, and we're talking about the use of home genealogy kits and how they became a crime-fighting tool in the recent years. Of some of these companies, uh, are they happy that uh, that what they're doing can, is also solving crimes, or has some of the have some of the companies kind of uh, reject balked at it a little bit uh, over privacy concerns of some of their customers? Yeah, I don't have a list of who has and who hasn't, but yeah, there have been some that have said they're not going to participate in in assisting the, the, the things we're doing. Other ones that do give the customers an option to opt out of it when they submit their sample. Um, yeah, there's always an option that when you submit it that you can opt out of it. Um, most sites have that. Uh, the ones that will not participate with us just uh, just are not available for those searches uh, through companies that we use. Got it. What now? Let's let's talk about uh, the use of this type of investigative technique in Missouri. Is uh, what what can you tell us about how um, using these types of DNA profiles from ancestry kits are used by law enforcement in Missouri? In Missouri? Sure, I can tell you one for uh, Missouri was one of a big wins for us, a success story with the use of this back in '98 um, down in Portageville. We had uh, Sherry Shear and Megan Shear. It was a 38 and 12 year old females that were found in their home, uh, sexually assaulted and murdered. And that crime actually had tied to, because of ballistics with weapons used, um, we had tied it to several other crimes in neighboring states. And so we have all these police agencies trying to figure out what do we have here? We've got ballistics that match, we've got DNA samples that match uh, with various crimes, but no DNA samples that match with any known offenders and anybody that we could tie it back to. Um, no other samples on file that we could use. And so I, I think it was maybe May of 2017, um, we uncovered another uh, another CODIS match for a neighboring state. And that prompted investigators to reach out to a company called Parabon Nano Labs. It's one of the companies that it's not an ancestry website. Uh, generally, we don't contact uh, some of the known ancestry and DNA websites. There are companies that actually do the research uh, for investigators. They extract a sample. Um, the samples that are used in this comparison has a bunch more markers than we use for traditional comparisons to CODIS or these known felon DNA samples. They'll extract the DNA, uh, the, the DNA markers that they need for comparison. They'll they'll get a match on an ancestry website that they subscribe to, probably multiple websites that these companies use. And then they have a team of what's called genetic genealogists is what I call them. They basically do the research for the officers and they, they are able to access different records, not only from these websites, but things like, oh, I don't um, census reports, family trees, um, 
you name it. There's there's a bunch of different ways, vital records, obituaries, newspaper articles. They actually do the work to narrow it down to say to investigators, hey, this is what it's looking like. We've got a hit in this family tree. We've got a hit possibly from these generations or this specific family. And then they provide that information to investigators to use. In this case, in 2018, we used Parabon Nano Labs, and they were able to uh, get us down to a, a family. And in that family, we were able to pinpoint a suspect in the case. Now, unfortunately, in this case, we weren't able to make an arrest because that subject was deceased prior to us getting on to him because it was, a, it was, like I said, a 1998 murder that we were working. But at least we were able to get some closure to the family. I think in this one, we actually exhumed a body and compared DNA samples from our suspect uh, post-mortem and then compared that to the samples we had at the scene, and it was a match. Oh, wow. Now, there's probably some things you can't disclose to us, but are there any current cases that the Missouri State Highway Patrol or any other state law enforcement agency is working on that would make use of uh, this type of uh, this type of ancestry DNA technology? Sure. And, and preparing for our interview today, I kind of did some looking through our through our records and what we have going on. We've actually got two um, violent uh, sexual assaults um, in southern Missouri that uh, separate, separate, completely separate crimes, but two different crimes that we're working where we are using genetic genealogy, and it's looking like it's going to uh, develop a suspect for us that we're going to be able to put some closure to. And then we also have two murders, one up in the Troop B area, which is northeast Missouri, and then one in the Troop C area, which is St. Louis area and surrounding counties. So, yeah, we, we, we are actively working it um, and and using using this kind of technology to, to further those cases. And these are cases that I hesitate to say the word cold, but uh, they were they were really getting nowhere. There are, we had exhausted all our leads and and had a good sample that we uh, knew could could provide fruit you know or prove fruitful for our investigation. We were able to utilize genetic genealogy to further it. Now I, I know you may not be able to answer this question, but do you know uh, how many other law enforcement agencies are using this type of uh, genealogy uh, research or records? Like, say, do you know if St. Louis or Kansas City are doing this as well? I can't imagine they aren't. In most of our open cases, we're assisting our partners at the city and county level with these cases. So um, some would call on us to help out. Some maybe uh, handle it themselves. Uh, I don't know total uh, in Missouri uh, how many of those we have going on, but I know that we're assisting uh, four different cases with cities and counties, depending on where it's at with their investigations. So, And then the FBI is also kind of you know, cutting edge on this. They're, Actually, I've learned recently the FBI is is starting to add genetic genealogy um, uh, agents within their within their division that specialize in this sort of stuff. So, yeah, we're, it's it's a growing field, no doubt about it. Show me the day.